Welcome to the Unlocked Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Brambling Wrecks. All right, Hal, welcome back to another episode of Unblocking Crypto. This week, we get to chat a little bit about a subject that nobody really enjoys talking about, and that's taxes. <laughs> uh, so before we ruin everybody's day and talk about taxes, let's talk about some of the positive things that are going on in the crypto space. So I'll let you start. Uh, yeah. So one of the things that I'm paying attention to is the, the ETF uh, being approved by the SEC in the United States. The... Um, Grayscale has a Bitcoin trust where they actually hold Bitcoin. Um, they want to convert it into an ETF. They've got, I can't remember how many billions of dollars worth of of, of Bitcoin. Um, but it's not an ETF and it's traded over the counter on like the pink sheets. So it's not something that like a big investment group or a public company can really buy. Um, but they want to convert it into an ETF. And that'll put it into kind of the mainstream uh, investment vehicle world. The, the SEC, I don't know why they're holding off on approving an ETF for spot Bitcoin. They've approved futures Bitcoin ETFs, which are not great. Um, they're, you know, you're not, you're not holding actual, or the ETF isn't holding the actual asset. Um, it's, it's holding uh, U.S. dollar finalized futures. Um, so it's, you're always, there's a lag period and there's a, you're, it's not as effective. Um, other countries have Bitcoin ETFs, uh, with the underlying asset being held by the, the, the company. So Canada, Brazil, um, Australia has got one. So it's just a little weird. Um, once an ETF gets approved in the United States, that means, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a Roth IRA, you got a 401k, you can just have Bitcoin exposure directly. Um, you know, if you, if you're a, if you're a public company, you can have Bitcoin exposure uh, without all the weird accounting rules that they have for actually holding the Bitcoin yourself, um, where you're like, you're marked to the lowest price and um, like the most conservative accounting rules possible. So there's a lot of advantages to Bitcoin price action uh, for the approval of a Bitcoin ETF. Um, I'm not sure really why they're holding it back and, and keeping the United States citizens from being able to do that. But, um, you know, it's 2022. So sometime this year, I think we get an ETF it might be towards the end of the year, but uh, I'm going to shoot an email on behalf of Grayscale's uh, Bitcoin trust. So try yeah. to keep this, keep things moving. Cause you know, the more people that ask, you know, the more they'll listen. Yeah, definitely share that with me too. And we'll, we'll try to put that in the, the show notes as well for people to, to go in and do. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's very nice that the government is trying to protect us, <laughs> but I don't think we need protecting on some of this stuff. So, well, well, inflation's running wild. So it would be nice to have another place to put us dollars that isn't in us dollars. So, <laughs> you know, thanks for protecting us from, from yourselves, uh, us <laughs> government. Exactly. So on a, uh, another piece of interesting news, one of the, I guess everybody's probably pretty aware of Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway, which is a super large investment firm out there. Um, if you paid any attention to the insights from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, his COO, they have pretty much called Bitcoin rat poison in the past and have been very negative towards it. Although they recently have now invested over a billion dollars into a crypto bank down in uh, I think it's Brazil. 
new bank where it is enabling people to get into uh, a, a Bitcoin-backed ETF in instead of a traditional savings account. So it, it's kind of exciting to see them coming full circle and saying that Bitcoin is the devil and now they're investing their money into companies that are focused um, almost entirely on crypto. Yeah, it's like JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon. Like, yeah. They feel like that, that the longer this thing goes, the more they are like, uh, okay, fine. Maybe it's maybe it's not so bad. I'll uh, I'll dip my toes in it. He, yeah, he pretty much is saying stay away from Bitcoin. At the same time, Chase is buying up Bitcoin as as much as they can during that entire time. <laughs> right. All right. So l let's jump into the taxes piece of it, and 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 hopefully this will be kind of short, just because one, we are not tax professionals, and not at so all. <laughs> any information you hear here is just our opinion. Um, but a lot of people have these questions: is what is a taxable event in crypto? So maybe I'll let you kind of throw out some of your ideas or what you know of what is a taxable event. And and then I'll kind of explain some of the other ones that I think I've picked up along the way as well. Yeah. So uh, so here's kind of how I got into figuring out what I thought about taxes in crypto. And my accountant seems to be okay with it. So that's kind of good enough. He's a pretty conservative accountant. Um. So in 2017, when I first started, man, it was just like buy, sell, buy, sell, try this, try that, like just, you know, shotgun approach. Uh, I don't, uh, I've never heard of this thing. Buy some, uh, went up, sell it. Uh, this one crashed, sell that. So I just, I had a ton of transactions. None of them were super big, but I was just trying to f figure out how to do stuff. Um, and so uh, then, you know, fast forward to, the, to when I'm talking to my accountant that year in 2018, I told him, you know, that I've been doing this. He was like, oh, no. It's like, you've got you to gotta figure out every time you bought or sold and what the U.S. dollar equivalent was and determine what your gains were on that transaction. And it, it, it became pretty, head, pretty, pretty much a headache. Um, it's not so bad when you buy uh, five tokens of a crypto and then you sell five tokens of that crypto because you wipe out all of that cost basis. But like I was buying like, oh, I'll buy a couple here, a couple there, and like kind of build up and accumulate a position. And then it would they would go up or down and I would drop half of it. Or if it would double, I'd drop half of my position. So then I would have to use my cost basis as a blended cost basis from the first in, uh, whichever ones I bought first, I would kind of eat through that cost basis and then the next purchase price and the next purchase price. And I would create this cost basis for the crypto that I sold. And then I would compare that to what a sale price. And I would expect, you know, if I have a gain, okay, now that gain goes off and, and I need to pay taxes on it. If I have a loss, now that loss uh, helps to cancel out some of the gains that I hopefully made on other crypto. So like what it taught me was, uh, do a little more research and buy some crypto that you really think is good so that you're not buying a whole bunch of random stuff and selling a whole bunch of random stuff and having to track it. Um, because, you know, the goal is to make bigger and bigger transactions and have more and more uh, wealth and value in order to transact. And so I kind of, it kind of worked out because I kind of only had a few, you know, half of the year worth of transactions in 2017. So it's not like I went wild for 12 months and had to figure it all out. So, but I did, I mean, I had to spend hours one day just going through my transactions and all these different, big, all these different exchanges and 
the data wasn't very good. So I had to kind of figure out what the US dollar price might have been when I made that transaction because I was buying, I'd buy Bitcoin and I would transfer the Bitcoin over to another exchange. I'd use Bitcoin to buy something else directly. I wouldn't go from Bitcoin to dollars and then into an altcoin. I would go Bitcoin straight into an altcoin. Well, they changed it and keep track of what the US dollar price was of Bitcoin and the altcoin at that moment. So I had to correlate the US dollar price on that on that day. So it was kind of it was kind of a headache to be honest. So what it taught me was I need to build a spreadsheet. Like everything tells me that I just need to build a spreadsheet. Um, but crypto definitely did. So so I built a spreadsheet. So every time I buy something or sell something, I just add a add a line to the spreadsheet. If one, it prevents me from selling a lot because I know I gotta go figure out and calculate my cost basis for that transaction and, and what the gains are. But um uh but now I've got a spreadsheet, it's fairly easy to use. Um, you just, you populate the date, uh, what, what crypto you sold, or if you sold us dollars in order to buy crypto, uh, the quantity of crypto you bought and the us dollar value of, of the purchase, and then the quant whatever you sold in its us dollar value. Um, and then I just keep track of what exchange I sell it on so that I, if I was a question, I can go back and I'll know where I sold it or. Uh, if I sign up to on a new exchange to buy some random crypto that I've never heard of, uh, it kind of helps me remember like, oh, yeah, I've got that thing on Gate.io that I bought, uh, you know, when, I, you know, I got a, a tip on something or whatever. So, so just to make sure not everybody is freaked out that they have to go create a spreadsheet, there are, are other options out there. So for like $100, you can buy a, a piece of software that'll track all of that for you and and actually calculate all your gains and losses. So it, it's a great, good idea to have a spreadsheet, but that is definitely not what I have done. And especially when you start to do lots and lots of transactions across lots and lots of different coins, the spreadsheet piece can be super painful. Um, yeah, it has tried that, on my end. <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm just basically a, uh, I'm just a buyer of Bitcoin now uh, with like a couple of other things that I, I pick up here and there, but um, but yeah, I, I, if you're not strong with spreadsheets, I definitely say outsource it, buy, buy some software, but like it didn't exist back then, uh, yeah. or if it did, I just didn't know about it. So I, I just built it. But Well, well now, I mean, the software is like a hundred dollars up a year, right? So it's not a huge amount considering the complexity that it would have for something like that. So, uh, to me, it's by far worth it to pay a hundred dollars and have, thousands of transactions being taken, being taken care of for me. So, all right. Well, so that's great. Get, so getting back to what you just talked about, um, the different types of things that happen to make it a taxable event is going from fiat to crypto or back to fiat, but also from going to one crypto to another. Right. Yeah. So, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is even going from Bitcoin to USDT tether, right? That's a taxable event because it's still another crypto or going back to fiat. So it does get a little, a little complicated when you're moving things around and kind of a pain in the ass in general. Um, but there are, there's a, probably a few other things too that most people aren't even aware of. We talked a little bit in the, in the past about staking, right? So um, maybe what, Explain what staking is real quick and, and your view on how that's being treated as a tax liability. 
Yeah, so um, staking, some cryptos have moved to proof of stake over proof of work. So you're not doing Bitcoin mining. Um, instead, you stake your coins to like an exchange that has a, a, a large group or pool that they're, um, they're providing staking rewards for. Uh, rather than mining to find new uh, crypto like Bitcoin, you basically declare to the protocol that yeah, I hold these coins and I'm willing to stake these coins, basically tie these coins up in order for uh, what amounts to voting rights uh, for that protocol. So they reward you for that with newly generated uh, crypto. So in my mind, and I think in the IRS's mind until recently, I viewed that as kind of a dividend. Um, similar to like you hold stock, the company says in appreciation for investing in the stock, here's a portion of our gains um, and they pay you for those. Uh, that dividend is taxed as ordinary income. So the guide, there's not a lot of guidance. Um, so I just viewed it as uh, these are equivalent to dividends. I'm going to get taxes at ordinary income, which is a pain in the butt because you get staking rewards like twice a week. So every, you know, to keep track of the U.S. dollar value of those staking rewards twice a week in my spreadsheet is annoying. Um, so this is the first year that I've done any of that. And I just, or 2021 was the first year that I did any staking. Uh, but I did get a 1099-miscellaneous uh, from Kraken. Uh, for my staking rewards, and they just gave me a dollar value of my stake of total staking rewards, which makes my life a lot easier. Because uh, I don't really, I don't really care if they calculated it. Okay, well, as December thirty first, this was your U.S. dollar value in in your staking rewards uh, accumulated over the year, or if they give me the price every single step of the way of all my staking rewards. Um, and, you know, if I lose money on them, I lose money on them either way. I haven't gone through to look and see what they did. I kind of don't care if I pay ordinary income taxes on them. Uh, cool. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a taxpayer kind of guy. So, um, so that, all of that said, uh, there's an interesting piece because a couple sued the IRS because they taxed their staking gains. And I think they won their suit recently, which said, hey... Um, these these crypto rewards are the equivalent of, of newly created goods or newly created value. Um, you know, we they're the equivalent of generating something of value. So their their cost basis is zero. So we shouldn't be paying ordinary income on these. We should only be paying uh, capital gains taxes on upon the sale of these uh, newly generated valuables. So I think that they got refunded their tax their their taxes they had to pay, um, but I don't think the IRS has actually made a decision on what they think about it. So I don't know. My advice would be uh, pay taxes on your staking rewards, especially if you just get a 1099 from whatever exchange you're using to stake, because it's easy. And it, the goal here, and if you listen to other listen to other podcasts about taxing crypto is you've got to try your best like you have to try to, to to pay the right amount of taxes in order to to kind of be on the good side of things um so 
if they give you a 1099, you should pay taxes on. Like the IRS knows you got a 1099. You don't really have a choice. Um, so, so heads up, that's kind of how, how the staking things look. Um, similarly, do you want to talk more about staking before I move to BlockFi stuff? No, no. So I think that makes sense. Um, I, yeah. Keep, keep going. So at the same time, I got my 1099 from Kraken for the staking. I got my 1099s from uh, BlockFi for my interest-bearing account. Um, so there, it's that to me is much more straightforward. It's much more in line with uh, uh, what would be like a, a CD or an interest-bearing account where you, you you're putting money into a bank and they're giving you interest for it. Um, so that all of that made sense, uh, and it was a lot more simple. And it was, I think there's a lot less ambiguity about how how that's taxed. Um, the one nice thing and that I always like is uh, I have a Bitcoin or I have a BlockFi credit card that gives me uh, cash back in Bitcoin, and uh, refunds these uh, cash back pieces, all of that. Th those those are non taxable. Um, events so you don't have to pay taxes on that so just like, like credit card points for airline like miles and things like that yeah exactly so you're not paying taxes on that so there's like there's something you know that's that's <laughs> not bad uh I, I didn't start bitcoin mining until january not because of tax reasons but because uh i it was not just it was lingering and it was a new year's resolution for me to do it and so i didn't start mining until the first of or the third of january this year so i've got to figure out how mining taxes work um because i'm spending money on electricity in order to generate the bitcoin but it's not under an llc specifically to do it so i don't know i don't know how buy bitcoin mining taxes are going to work uh that's going to be a pretty tricky piece well and the other thing too that's going on is anytime you buy something like an NFT, that is a taxable event too. So, and there's probably not a ton of people that are into that right now, um, but that seems to be growing pretty quickly. Um, so that is a whole nother issue of trying to calculate your cost, your cost basis there. Um, and then still today, if you're buying any sort of goods or services with crypto, you're supposed to pay taxes on that. So, which gets really complicated if you're buying a cup of coffee for a couple of dollars and you're supposed to figure out the cost basis of the Bitcoin that you paid on that. So that is not ideal. Although there is some stuff that they're working on to hopefully change that. So did you heard about that? Yeah. So the thing that I've always been chasing and, and waiting for is for them to just pass a de minimis tax exemption. So any transaction you have where you have, where you show less than usually like with foreign exchange and things at $600. So anytime, like if you, if you came back to the States from another country when and you had euros and the exchange rate swung in your favor and then you, you spin the euros, you're, you know, you had gains. Uh, the IRS views it as gains. But if you only have $400, if you spend, if you spend, if you, if your currency doubled and you spend $400, $200 of that would be gains. 200 of it would be your initial cost basis. Well, they say, look, up to 600 bucks, you just spend it. Like, it's just it's just not a taxable event. 
we can't track it. We can't keep up. It's not worth it. It's, it's a de minimis. It is too minimal for us to care about. Um, so we'll just, that's not a taxable event. You spend $10,000 and, and we're four grand of that as gains. Okay. Let's, let's tax that because now we're, we can kind of keep up with that. Um, I think it boils down to there's not enough IRS agents to chase down every $400 gain transaction. Um, uh, unfortunately, that they want to grow the IRS so that they can chase down every uh, $500 gain transaction. But um, but it, it, if they do pass the de minimis ta tax exemption for crypto and they put a bill on the table that was like up to $200 uh, in crypto gains, it would be a de minimis exemption. You could just spend it. Um, that would be, that would make things a lot easier because you could just spend crypto and you could like a couple of weeks ago, my buddy and I went to lunch and he's like, you know, I live in a small town. He's one of the few Bitcoin guys in town and I left my wallet in the truck. So he picked up my lunch. So I shot him 15 bucks on the lightning network through Bitcoin. And, uh, I'm like, crap, <laughs> I got, I just, I bought that, uh, that Bitcoin because so with, when it comes to taxes, uh, you can choose your cost basis at, based on the first crypto that you buy. And uh, so that if you buy the first crypto you buy is the first crypto that you sell. So your oldest crypto gets uh, is your tax basis first. You can do uh, first in last out. So your the, the most recent crypto that you bought is the crypto that gets uh, taxed. And you work your way back towards your first crypto, or you can do like an average cost basis of all the crypto, and you just maintain the average cost. And so every time you sell, you're you're selling off of the the average cost basis of your crypto. Um, and the thing that sucks is once you establish it, that's you're locked in. Like that's how you have to do it because you're you're you basically establish your accounting rules. Like this is stuff that nobody thinks about because <laughs> everybody else just gets dollars, spends dollars, and it's not a taxable thing. Well, you can gift up to $15,000 of crypto a year. So maybe you just call that a gift and then. Not I have it. considered just <laughs> saying, you know, uh, we just, he and I are friends um, and we give each other gifts from time to time, but we'll never give them uh, each other up to, I think it's like 16, five now. Uh, so I, that's kind of, I do kind of shelter that piece under there, but like I would, I would not attempt to gift $10,000 to someone in crypto and say that that's a gift. I think that would be an, I think I would be audited. I do not want to be audited. That's my goal. Uh, I don't want my crypto um, curiosity and investments to result in me getting audited and spending months of my life. Do like, I am not set up to do transactional work. Uh, so I'm, uh, it drives me insane. So an audit would be psychologically uh, a very difficult for, thing for me to accomplish. Pretty much torture, legal torture. Yeah. So, uh, so no, I'm I'm pretty focused on not getting audited. Um, and yeah, so um, so that's one piece on the taxes is you got to kind of figure out how you're going to you do your cost basis, um, or you let the software figure it out. And I would definitely recommend you letting the software figure it out because it's really a pain in the neck to do it yourself. Um, and then the one thing we haven't talked about that's hugely important is short term versus long term capital gains. Like when you buy crypto, the if you're seeing substantial gains, it's in your best interest to hold it for over a year. So if you don't hold it for over a year, 
you hold it for 364 days, it's going to be considered short-term capital gains. Short-term capital gains gets rolled into your ordinary income. So while you don't have to pay Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, like FICA tax on that crypto, uh, it does just get added to your wages and salary and other ordinary income. So your it, it, whatever your marginal tax bracket is, that's your tax rate. So you're, you know, if, if you make, you know, whatever, if you're a hundred and something thousand dollar salaries and that your income's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars or $150,000, you're probably at like a 24% tax bracket. Uh, so you're taxed at 24% plus state. Whereas if you are in that same position and you wait for 366 days to sell your crypto, that's going to click you over into long-term capital gains. Long-term capital gains are taxed at 15% uh, for ordinary for, for most people. And then if you're a, a high-income earner, which is something close to a million dollars a year, um, you go from 15% to 20% on the long-term capital gains. So it's always in your best interest to strive to pay long-term capital gains over short-term capital gains. Well, if you're that high income earner at 20% long-term, you're at like 37% short-term, right? So it's like a, almost a 2X multiplier in right. the short-term. So yeah, it's, it yeah. sucks. Um, the other thing and too that we- you, Go ahead, go ahead. I would say the other thing too that we haven't really mentioned that um, kind of plays into the same realm is donations. So you can actually donate your crypto and write it off the same way you would write any sort of donation as well. Um, which I'm not sure why people are donating any crypto right now, <laughs> but it, it definitely is possible to do. Yeah. And um, when it, it, when it comes to writing things off too, um, I, this is where I'm definitely not a tax specialist and you need to talk to somebody who gets it, but gains can, gains can write off losses regardless of short-term versus long-term. Right. So, um, if you if, like your Coinbase account, if you're buying and selling different things and you say you have a windfall of gains from uh, a long-term Bitcoin that you've held since 2018 and then you have some losses that you have on a short-term basis, um, you, you have to chew through all of your long-term losses to count against your long-term gains. But if you have short-term losses, they can count against your long-term gains. Um, and, and vice versa. So uh, that's a bit of a tax game that I've just been made aware of recently because I've always tried to, to cancel my long-term gains and losses and my short-term gains and losses. And then I just hand everything to my accountant and then it comes back and I got to pay, I got to cut a check for something. So I, uh, but I did have that conversation with him and, and that was a piece that it was new to me that eventually you can cancel all your gains, capital gains, losses and uh, and gains regardless of short and long term. So that's another piece that I'm not an expert on, but I am newly aware of it. And it's probably a game you can play to your advantage if you're holding some really crappy cryptocurrency from a long time ago that you thought was going to come back and never did um, <laughs> in order to, you know, to, to cancel out some of the gains that you got. Um, Still got a chance. And, yeah, it's all, uh, man, it's down 98% from four years ago, but it's not dead yet. Uh, and the other thing is wash sales. 
um, they used to like crypto used to not have a wash sale issue where um, a wash sale basically prevents you from capturing losses uh, to go against other gains. So if you say you have you have a, a, a stock that's gained twenty thousand dollars and you have another stock that's lost twenty thousand dollars, but you still like the stock. So you can sell the twenty thousand dollar gain stock and you can drop the twenty thousand dollar loss stock. So you're you you pull twenty thousand dollars out of the market. Um, if there was if there are not wash sale rules, then you could just buy that crappy the the stock that you lost on that you still like, capture those losses, reset your cost basis, and then if it gains from there, then you'd be taxed when you sell that uh, the second stock later. <laughs> Basically, it allows you to harvest a bunch of losses. Uh, so what they did is they said, "All right, um, if you if you sell something, you got to wait 31 days before you buy it again in order to to uh, flush out that that transaction. Um, otherwise, it's a wash sale and you don't get to capture the losses. So in crypto, because crypto is like gold or uh, property, well." Bitcoin, and I think now recently it's it's probably still the crypto. It's we're th it feels like we're in this transition of how things are being taxed. So, uh, but previously, uh, I think up until maybe 2020 or maybe 2021, there were no wash sales for crypto. So, you could capture losses and then turn back right back around and buy that same crypto that day don't expose yourself to the volatility of 30 days later, the price could be way up and you missed the gains. Um, and so you could capture those losses without the risk of, of losing uh, the price action game. So I think they've eliminated that. And I think that there's wash sales now, but Bitcoin's tricky, man, or crypto is real tricky because it's like, well, you could go from Bitcoin to wrap Bitcoin on Ethereum and then back to Bitcoin a month later and you really only pick up the weirdo risk of being in wrapped Ethereum for a month instead of Bitcoin. Um, it, so there's there's still games you can play, it, but I would say get good at the simple stuff and like get pretty decently comfortable that you're you're not a, uh, cheating on your taxes before you start trying to figure out the rules that the government can't keep up with because the government's probably four or five years behind uh, on the tax rules for crypto. Yeah. It, and, and one other thing that I kind of want to mention, when you talk about taxes, the other thing to talk about is death, because those are the only two things that are almost guaranteed in life, is death and taxes. And what most people probably don't do is have some sort of plan for their crypto to be um, passed along to someone else. And, and I don't think I even have a, a great suggestion on, on what to do, um, but it's mainly keep a log of where everything is and how to access it and hopefully in the future it'll be a lot easier to kind of move this from one person to another when someone passes away. But if you don't do it now, then it pretty much just disappears into the ether and is never seen from again. Um, so it is very important to do this. It's not like your typical stock accounts or anything like that that has a beneficiary attached to it at all. This is something that you control and you're going to have to be the one to implement it moving from one person to another. Yeah. So I, um, recently did that uh as part of like uh estate planning and i cut in my head it was like so my wife is aware of what we, we do with bitcoin and crypto and real estate and all these different investments and stuff like that so she's aware of them 
but it's not as though she knows all the ins and outs of every piece of everything we do. Um, she trusts me and that's how it works. But if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, she doesn't know much of anything. And so I equated it to, uh, I buried gold somewhere and I know where it is and I know how to get to it, but nobody else does. And so honestly, what I did is I was like, okay, well, uh, I need to create a treasure map and uh, I need to put it in the safe deposit box so that if I pass away, uh, she can just pick up, go to the safe deposit box. Uh, part of it says, call Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife the same thing. I was like, you're going to have to call Hal and he's going to have to explain all this to you. <laughs> right. Like she has the password to my laptop. The laptop has a lot of the passwords to all the stuff. So it's like, that's kind of a shortcut, but like, here's everything. So it's like this freaking one pager that has everything. And the current balance is based on that day. So that, but I was like, man, there's no way you're going to find everything. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is you're going to have to spend like two weeks straight working on all my stuff to figure out what's going on too. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, man, uh, there, I don't think there's a great way to do it, but again, man, that's another reason for an ETF, right? Not to, mm. to drag it all the way back, but if you want Bitcoin exposure, but you don't want to deal with all this random crap and you don't want to like store it in a safe in your house and da da da. Like buy an ETF and then have your brokerage account hold it. And then if you die, and then the brokerage account can just transfer it to your beneficiaries. Poof, it's done. Instead, I'm having to like define digital assets to my attorney to write it into my will. So that I mean, it's it's a real headache. So it's 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 kind of a pain. So, so to that point, and, and this is not something that I've used, um, but I know there's companies out there that do it. Like iTrust Capital, I think, is one of those where you can pretty much buy cryptocurrency with your IRA funds and they're holding it in their, I think they even use Coinbase custody for a lot of that. But that should allow you to transfer things over. And that's kind of a, a, a simple way of doing it. The problem then is, of course, it's... Um, I guess you're not paying any taxes while you're you're moving things around in that, but you do have to pay taxes as an IRA once you start taking it out, um, which is ordinary income for sure. So, yeah, um, and so there are I, options like that. So I got another kooky thing that I tried to do. So I because I, I was like, okay, great, we are living mostly off of investment income now, so it's not like we're and we have an employer that's paying our taxes as we go. So at the end of every year, we're gonna have a big tax bill. I'm like, okay. Well, man, if I can just take some of my Bitcoin that I know I'm not going to sell for like decades, and if I can just transfer it into a, a 401k or a, into an IRA, then I can reduce my tax liability uh, without having to sell the Bitcoin, pay the taxes on the Bitcoin. This would work. So then I look at like iTrust ca uh, Capital and all these other things, and it's like you can't transfer digital assets into the IRA. You have to cash out of the digital asset into the US dollars, transfer dollars into the IRA, oh my God. and then buy it. So I'm like, well, crap, that sucks. I'm gonna have to pay taxes in order to not, in order to avoid paying taxes by putting money into, a for, into an IRA. So like, that's another reason why it'd be great to have an ETF, because you could slide that over, I think. Um, maybe you'd have to cash it out. I don't know, I'm not a tax expert. I'm trying real hard to not pay taxes on on older Bitcoin, but I want to keep it forever, uh, or or you know, 
decades. You know, some of that stuff uh, I view as like, well, some of it I bought for like, uh, well, you know, this is for my son. This is for my daughter. This was, you know, it's like when they turn 18, I'll give them some or whatever. So, I mean, uh, I don't really want to mess with it, but I don't want to pay taxes on it either. And I feel like it's getting worse. As time goes by, I'm going to pay more and more taxes on things. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at just the global debt or national debt in general, taxes kind of have to go up to pay for some of this or something seriously drastic Infl has to happen, yeah. right? In inflation or taxes? Well, yeah, it's, way, it's, it's, it's one of the two. We're paying for it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, right now, take advantage of everything you can to minimize your taxes because one way or the other, they're gonna, the government's going to get money from you, right? All right, so I, I know we've talked a lot about taxes, and this is probably way more than anybody ever wants to talk about taxes in one day. So <laughs> I, I think the, the the summary of all this real quick is pay your taxes, right? Figure out how to pay your taxes. Ideally, use a piece of software that does this for you, unless you're only buying like a little bit of Bitcoin and you can do it all in a, in a small Excel sheet. Otherwise, pay the $100 a year and have somebody figure it all out for you. Um, there are other options out there that you can research with a qualified tax attorney, whether it's gifting or donations or even some sort of, um, I trust capital or something like that. So, but. And one, one thing too, if, you know, some of these, some people that might be listening to this are just like, man, I'm only going to buy like 500 bucks worth of Bitcoin and just see what happens. If you have gains less than $600, that that's not a taxable uh, piece to this. Like in any given year, if it's under $600 for an individual um, investment, then you're not issued a 1099 in the traditional finance world. Like it's just, it's just not, it's not enough to, to be an issue. Um, so like, if you're like, man, I just want to dabble. I don't want to deal with all this tax crap. You're not, you're, you don't have to, you can play with it. But if it's when you start to get above $600 uh, and that, that $600 number keeps coming up because the government kind of set that bar. Um, so yeah, you can play with it, man. You get a couple hundred bucks here. I just want to see. I want to try to transfer money around. I want to try to put Bitcoin on a, you know, on a wallet on my phone and just feel how that works. Or use Strike to buy a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin so I can send it to a buddy of mine and see how it works. None of it, like you can play with it at that level under six hundred dollars worth of gains uh, without having to to pay taxes. So uh, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to scare people off. They're like, man, I'm I'm. Not, this isn't the world I'm playing in. I'm not putting my retirement in Bitcoin. I just heard about it last year, you know? Um, so that's just, that's a heads up on that. And this is early 2022. A lot can change here in the next couple of months and, and definitely will change in the next couple of years. I mean, you, you look at places like Italy and Germany, they've already kind of set that precedence that anything under $600 is not going to be taxed. Hopefully the U.S. does do that sometime soon. Although, unfortunately, I think they moved it from $600 to $200 for crypto. Um, but that is on the docket right now. I don't know when it's going to be officially voted on, um, but maybe that'll make life a lot easier. So you can do kind of these minor transactions um, in a more day-to-day -day situation. Yeah. So, oh, cool. Well, Hal, thanks for joining. We'll we'll try to include some of these uh, links and notes to some of the things we talked about in the show notes as well. Um, and we will chat next week. All right. Thanks, Jason. See you. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.